0: Back to another episode of You and I for the Keen Eye. Today we're here with Renee and Ashley from the Lee Shore Center. Renee, Ashley, if you wouldn't mind
1: introducing yourselves a little bit today for our listeners. Sure, thank you. I'm Renee Lips, and I am currently the prevention coordinator with the Lee Shore Center, uh, working in prevention movements in our community. Uh, Working uh, with a prevention coalition, starting a uh, coalition for primary prevention. Been with the agency about 15 years in other capacities as well.
2: Hi, I'm Ashley. I am the education and training assistant. And I have been with the agency as an employee for about four years. And I volunteered with them for numerous years prior to that.
0: Awesome.
3: Uh, When you say that you are working in prevention... What are you actually like trying to prevent? We're Mostly working on
1: the prevention of power-based violence is one of the overriding goals for the Leesher Center. Power-based violence being domestic violence, sexual assault, teen dating violence, hmm. bullying, elder abuse, child abuse, which unfortunately our state leads the nation in. So really working on reducing those numbers.
3: That seems like a very difficult goal, um, as that is very prevalent, as you said, in the state. Um, I believe Lee Shore has been attempting to really address this power-based violence for 40, over about 40 years, right?
1: Yeah, yes. Uh, They've actually been able to provide support directly to uh, victims since 1985. When the 7,600 square foot uh, shelter was built.
3: I believe that was not just the byproduct of like a $5 million grant that came in and built a huge building. Is that right?
1: No, (laughs) it's not. It's really fascinating that this community found it important enough uh, to need this resource and need a shelter. And so they came together as a community group and uh, built this building all with volunteer help. The land is actually leased from the city of Kenai for only a dollar a year for 99 years. So it was found to be a pretty important component of this community and a needed component at that.
3: So this on the website, it reads that this was a, a grassroots effort. So is this, was this just a small group of individuals that kind of said, like, whoa, hold on, like, there's some parts of, I guess, society or some parts of, like, our community right now that really need addressed and maybe there's something we can do?
1: Yes, it started way back in 1977 where a group of individuals, you know, came together and were empowered uh, to show that they had that empowerment and began uh, meeting and uh, with each other. And it's really cool that as a group they decided we need to do more, and uh, in the fall of 77 they sent five individuals from their group up to Anchorage to a uh, woman's conference, woman years conference, Uh, And they went to workshops on starting a resource center, which is super cool. And I'll tell you, they came back pretty pumped up to do that because the work started. Mm -hmm. And by 1985, we actually had a building in place to start providing those services. But when they originally came back, they really started to get that education out in the community by having meetings and um, uh, getting into the school and talking with students and things of that nature, You know, starting that first awareness piece ever in our community.
0: And some for some of our other listeners that have been in this community for quite a while, uh, you guys went by a previous name before, didn't you? Before the Lee Shore Center?
1: Yes, it was originally called the Women's Resource Center, and as time went on, they eventually uh, changed it to the Kenai Soldaten Women's Resource and Crisis Center. And uh, Resource and Crisis Center really spoke to what was going on at the Lee Shore Center uh, building.
3: In. Uh... Was the building kind of the start of a lot of the resources and like services being offered to the community? Is that kind of when that ball started rolling?
2: So, the way it started was a safe homes kind of effort. So, literally, you would call the crisis line, and someone would come get you, pick you up, and take you to a random stranger's house you had never been to, and that's the way they did it before they had a building. So, yes. So it was really nice when we got the original structure in the early 1980s to have a space where we could have more than I'm going to be honest I've heard stories from people that started this process that they were in the basement of the Benco building with a basically with a couple of chairs and a table and a phone waiting for phone calls so it really helped us expand into the various different avenues that we'll talk about today including our batter's intervention program, our transitional housing it really was the launching point for a lot of our services
4: Do you think at that point uh, it was like, um, do you think back when it started, Alaska was still one of the higher ranking on the scale of of where situations like this happen? Or do you think it was more like they formed this resource just because there wasn't really anything like it in the Kenai area yet?
2: I would say it's a combination of both. Yeah, probably Uh, both violence in our community has been prevalent for a very long time it wasn't as talked about there was a lot of stigma but thankfully there were enough people in this community that could see and recognize the need to take care of it
1: yeah I absolutely agree with that that it's always existed
2: Mm -hmm. and i
1: believe that there are individuals in our community that know that it exists Mm -hmm. even back then and started coming together as one and Yeah, I'm not sure how far back statistics actually date Uh, and I I don't know that until probably the last 15 years we're getting good stats Mm -hmm. on on this uh, on these issues because there just wasn't anybody out there gathering that for us and and even now we can work harder on the uh, amount of statistics that we could get to have a better understanding of the the dynamics in our community.
3: Yeah and I think one of the things uh, that I've you know, at least kind of read or heard is that there are some areas where it's really hard to kind of get some good stats for things, you know, and violence-based statistics or statistics around violence can be pretty hard because a lot of people in those situations never, you know, aren't ever able to really come forward or a lot of their cases aren't ever actually documented and that some of our procedures for collecting those stats just don't necessarily collect all of the people that might fall into those categories. Um.
2: So in 2013 we did the Alaska victimization survey Mm -hmm. and what they did is essentially they called homes so they spoke to the proper demographic folks all over the state, uh, called them up on their landlines and what we found in that survey was on the Kenai Peninsula specifically 52 out of 100 women had experienced domestic violence on the Kenai Peninsula in their lifetime. Now, there are some severe limitations to that survey, and the data may actually be much greater. Mm-hmm. They only called people yeah. who had landlines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk to anyone in shelters, and they didn't talk to anyone in any kind of institution. Yeah. Wow. So those yeah. were just people yeah. who were in a safe home where they could self-report and and feel comfortable enough to do so
1: to actually do mm-hmm. so, yeah. And I just want to circle back, and I kind of want to reiterate that stat so people understand that fifty-two out of a hundred women on the Kenai Peninsula will experience domestic violence and sexual assault in their lifetime. And right now, those are not being reduced;
2: they're climbing. Data hmm. is from two thousand. Yeah, 13.
3: 13. That's not yeah. Two thousand thirteen is not very long ago. Five years. And, like, as, a, as Lee Shore being a, you know, peninsula-specific, I mean, really, I mean, maybe you guys, maybe at times Lee Shore gets people from, you know, from around the state, I would imagine. However, We've been like, known
1: to get people from out of state um, to wow. bring them to a safe haven from where they're at. Wow. We actually had a gentleman from an Indian reservation okay. a few months ago brought up, and we were able to house him in a hotel room until we could connect him with services with the Canaitze tribe. Wow. So, well, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, and I kind of talk about they're, they're not going down. Uh, we just recently reapplied for this prevention grant. One of the things we did is we really dug into local stats for the Kenai area. Mm. And uh, it's astounding the yeah. amount of calls that are coming in. Uh, no, they're not being prosecuted at the levels that we would like to see. We're not seeing protective orders uh, issued at the rate that we would like to see. So there's still just so much work to be done in this community. Yeah. Uh, it started in 1977 and we're still hard at it today.
4: Yeah, Do you think it's more of not enough community awareness or more of you just don't have enough uh, support to be able to help all the people who need to be helped?
1: Oh, I'm so glad that you asked about community uh, awareness. What we did as part of the Prevention Coalition is we did a community readiness assessment to uh, gauge at what level our community is ready to prevent power-based violence. Again, domestic violence, sexual assault, teen dating violence. And we came in at a 2.6 was our level, which is a level of denial and resistance. So yes, that speaks volumes to there is not... We really need to get that education piece out there, that awareness piece... Until we really believe there's a problem, we're not really willing to do anything about it.
3: Speaking of education, I know for part of some of the outreach and education efforts that Lee Shore makes is uh, the community presentations as well as school presentations. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that sounds like, as you said, education needing you know needing to be out there, and as we are, maybe perhaps in a. Or are in a state of like denial and resistance as we say hey like this is actually what's going on it sounds like Lee Shore is doing a very practical and needed effort there in school <coughs> presentations and community presentations what are those what are those like
1: they work endlessly to get out there in the <laughs> community and prevent pre- present information about domestic violence sexual assault. the prevalence um, where you can go to obtain skills to learn about it, and and then there's Green Dot where we're trying to help individuals um, be active bystanders in our community. Because understand, if you're not a victim or a perpetrator, you're a bystander. Um, so yeah, Ashley, you know, is one of our uh, big community presenters. She goes out to all different types of groups, the Rotary clubs, the uh, she's talked to the borough, she's talked to Help me out, Ashley. I mean, you just get out there and talk to everybody.
2: Anyone, anyone who has any interest in learning more about our programs, our agencies, or questions can give us a call and we will be more than happy to come and do a presentation. I uh, try to attend as many public events, progress days, industry appreciation days, health fairs, anything where the public is going to be so we can be available for questions and resources if necessary.
0: You guys also have a youth outreach program as well, right?
2: We do. We have a specific advocate who goes into the schools. We have had that curriculum since it's Kenai Peninsula School District approved curriculum since two thousand two.
1: And that's the fourth R is the one that she's currently out in the schools um, promoting that healthy relationships piece and. Uh, we got off and running in the school district this year. Uh, she's already been able to get in and and work with fifty one students in the first wow, quarter. That's uh, great. This you know, year, we, yes, mm-hmm. we had a Jeez. law passed this kind year that said, you know, we're going to start educating. It's called the Safe Child Act, and it went okay. into effect June thirtieth of this year. And schools are charged with getting that education piece into our school system. And so we're happy that the Kenai uh, Peninsula School District is embracing this and and inviting us in. And we hope for that just to continue to expand uh, more and more.
4: Have you Uh, seen that uh, sharing the, the facts of the situation with people, does that really seem to change their minds? Like once they realize... Hey, this is like fifty-two out of a hundred. Are they just like whoa? And then they they are they more active? Do they or is that, is that hard to track? You know, after people have come to the classes or after these kids have listened, um, do you you know, is it just does that really change their outlook? Do you think?
1: Well, we certainly hope it is. Oh yeah. And I yeah. think you know in at that that age level. First, we need to understand what a healthy relationship is. We're not even right. skilled enough to yeah. know what that should look like. Right. And, and so we need those skills. And then we also need that knowledge of what do we do when we find ourselves in an unhealthy relationship? True. What's out there for us? What supports do we have? What resources? And that's another piece of that is making sure that they know about the resources and supports because they're available to them as well.
3: Yeah. I think uh, and I'll try to put this in a way... That makes sense. One of the things that this reminds me of, and I think that goes, or at least, uh, you know, the resistance and denial, um, not really accepting perhaps the prevalence of violence, is this idea called pluralistic ignorance, and that's this idea where if a group mis, if the individuals in a group misrepresent their views, when people look to the other members in their group, they so like in a class, a good example is in a classroom. If a teacher says something super confusing and you're like I can't look like an idiot so the teacher says any questions and you just act like you know what's going on well everybody else in the class is kinda like I don't want to be an idiot and so they look around and everybody's doing the same thing as you are acting like you know what's going on so they say oh I'm the only so you start to infer I'm the only one that doesn't know what's going on so if people in the community are hiding violence or like not accepting or like saying hey I've been, you know, I've been a victim or coming forward and being, you know, I've been a perpetrator. If everybody's kind of hiding what's going on and somebody who is assaulted looks around and says, I'm the only one. And then somebody else looks around and says, I'm the only one. As we all kind of misrepresent our views or hide something that's somewhat, you know, stigmatized, right? Violence is stigmatized that society says may bring shame. You know, people are likely to hide that just in like a little bit toned down version if people in a classroom are like oh I'm going to look stupid like looking stupid is not cool in my culture I better hide this on a much higher level in in society people are like I can't you know I can't be this victim I can't be this I can't be that what they've done is they've they've done things like this they've addressed this pluralistic ignorance like they've said hey guys this is actually what's going on so like they've gone to colleges and they've said hey you guys think everybody thinks binge drinking is cool, but did you know only 30% of people actually binge drink? And that number is, I am pulled that out of my hat, but only this number of people actually binge drink, and in fact, only this amount of people actually think binge drinking is cool. However, like, you guys look around, and everybody's thinking, everybody's incorrect on everybody's views, you know? They're like, oh, everybody thinks it's cool. But by everybody hiding their own idea of things, we get in this really warped confusion of what's actually going on. And so they say, this is what's actually going on. And then people are like, oh, I'm not the only one. This is okay. I can be myself. And I think that's a big thing with coming forward with education in areas where it's not necessarily easy for people to be like, well, wait, in fact, I was you know a victim. In fact, I was this. When I was growing up, this was in my home. And so by coming forward and saying, like, hey, you're not the only one. In fact, like, sadly, in our community you're in the majority and we should all like have the courage to know that you're, or at least like the knowledge to know that you're not alone. And so when I hear that this education is coming forward and saying, Hey, like this is happening and you're not alone and we have resources and there is a way out of this. It just seems that that is one of the major vital steps to making big social group changes, you know?
1: And we absolutely agree with you that it is time to shift that social norm that's allowing these unacceptable rates of violence. And, yes, it is one of those hidden Mm -hmm. things that are going on, both the batter's hiding it and the victim is hiding it. Um, And I think, yes, people do feel like they're all alone in that, and that education and awareness is key, that we get out there and we let them know that it's, you know, every third house in your neighborhood mm. this could be occurring and and you're not alone and there is support and and helping you know and maybe making that connection in other ways for people in our community because we find that if they have not been directly affected by domestic violence sexual assault that it's not at the forefront so now we need to look at other ways that we can approach this for those individuals and help them understand some of the costs involved mm some of the intersects that go along with that mm-hmm. so we're really building this awareness education awareness piece where we can start really educating every group we come in contact with like Ashley said there isn't a, a fair market meeting that we don't show up at that we want to talk you know that, so that we can talk about this really important issue and let them know that we're looking out you know violence isn't tolerated for us anymore and we're doing our part and we need everybody else to get on board with that mm-hmm. with us because we want to send that message in our community that says not here we're you guys all are helping
0: people get on board right you offer i'm just looking at this uh there's a community awareness workshop going on right now and then you do it again in april right yes do you mind telling us a little more about that
2: I'll let Ashley speak a little bit about the Community Awareness Workshop. So the Community Awareness Workshop on Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault, that's its full title, it's quite a mouthful, is held twice a year, October and April. And it is a 40-hour workshop that we discuss things like the effects of domestic violence on children, the relationship with domestic violence and substance misuse, trauma-informed care, confidentiality, uh, mandatory reporting. We invite... Pivotal members from the community like our local law enforcement, District Attorney's Office, Office of Children's Services, uh, Independent Living Center who works with folks with disabilities because we we know there's a high rate of overlap between victim people who have been victimized who also have disabilities. And uh, it's incredibly informative. Anyone who's interested in, in learning more is absolutely welcome. And we even offer four college credits if someone wants to contact the KPC, Kenai Peninsula College, ahead of time and make those arrangements that it is actually four college credits. I took it when (coughs) I was a a student there as well. So it is a really nice program to help dispel some of those misconceptions that have been perpetrated. I do want to say that over the last few years the awareness piece seems to be getting better just from Mm. my standpoint. Sure. When I first started, even Getting people to approach the table, where this mm-hmm. is what we're talking about, and this is materials, was a lot more difficult than it is now. I sure. do find people to be more engaged in starting that conversation. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a tough conversation to yeah. have. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not a happy topic by any means, right. but we got to start talking about it sometime.
3: Yeah, bring some, bring some, uh, some hope and that awareness in the in the workshop. From what I understand is that somewhat of a prerequisite to start to volunteer? Is that your volunteers go through this, right?
2: Yes. Any volunteers that want to work with clients in shelter go through our community awareness workshop, as well as all of our staff, whether they work with clients or not. Okay. So all of our advocates, obviously, but anyone in our agency needs to have a basic understanding of these mechanisms because we do not want to allow misinformation to seep through.
3: Mm-hmm. And the volunteers... How how, uh, how many, not necessarily numbers, but how much of Lee Shore is built up of volunteers? How much of their programs is built up by volunteers? What so does that look like? So we have
2: been very fortunate the last several years. Uh, now, begin we began completely with volunteers. Right. Everything was volunteers. Yeah. Over the years, well, we've managed to acquire grants so that we are fairly well-staffed. Mm-hmm. So while my volunteers are vital... Um, I don't have too many that have, that, that work in shelter, uh, manning the crisis line. We have the ability to have staff there 24-7. That used to be, that was it. It was all volunteers running everything. So, um, but we have volunteers come out from the community, particularly folks with specialized knowledge. So they might come out and teach a nutrition class or a cooking class or financial literacy I've had people um, want to come in and, and do yoga classes. So it's whatever someone's interest is in giving back, what, what their specialty is, where we would love to have them and to make sure our clients have access to that knowledge. Um, volunteers are invaluable to me more so on the admin side, um, things like we have a clothing closet it's open to anyone in the community on tuesdays and wednesdays from nine to four and those donations get accepted on thursdays and fridays so anyone can bring in donations thursday and friday nine to four and our volunteers and advocates will go through those items and put them away in our clothing closet and pull things out that we know we need specifically for our clients and I could not imagine how much harder it would be for the advocates if we didn't have our incredibly valuable volunteers. My volunteers help me set up. Uh, Volunteers help our youth outreach advocate who goes into the school prepare materials. Our volunteers are indispensable for our annual run. We have a a Kenai Peninsula annual run for women every year and I need 50 plus volunteers every year for that and we could not put it on without them. there was a quote I came across several years ago that said volunteers are not unpaid because they are worthless it's because they are priceless oh,
1: wow. and yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, we just could not without that support.
3: Speaking of support um, as we're you know, kind of giving a general overview of just all the I, I'm gonna say I get online on Lee Shore's website and it's like what does Lee Shore do? You may as well just like write everything I think <laughs> um, so- Support. There are uh, support groups as well, right? That that Lee Shore, that Lee Shore does, puts on, hosts.
2: Yes. Uh, every Thursday at two o'clock, we have a support group for women, for victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Those who may have um, be trying to find more positive parenting techniques and healthy relationships. It's a combination of a few different. We were offering three different classes throughout the week and we decided to condense it into one okay. more efficient and par- powerful class. Mm-hmm. So it is really nice, it is free to the public. Uh, we're not having it this week because we have our awareness workshop, but typically it's mm-hmm. Thursdays at two o'clock. Okay. And we're always looking to provide the, the best information and the most help that we can for anyone in need. Um, it, it can be a little daunting for someone who hasn't been to our agency before the first time they walk in the door, but that usually only lasts the first time they walk in the door. Usually as soon as they've come in, we try to be very welcoming and invite them back. And afterwards I see people coming in we're fairly consistently and you know, they know to ring the doorbell, Hey, I'm here for the glass. Awesome, come on in.
0: That's great. That's that's I think though one of the coolest things about like the whole leashore you know, model is you're not only bringing out awareness, you know, you're not only addressing the issue, you're also offering solutions. You know, it's not just a one step like, oh, hey guys, it's there and figure it out. You know, it's, oh, hey guys, it's there. And this is how we're gonna combat it. It's an all encompassing plan that genuinely attacks the issue where it needs to be attacked from the youth level to the adult level to all the way through it. Like you guys pretty much have a program or something for pretty much every walk of life, you know, which I think is just pretty amazing. I don't know.
1: We appreciate that. And there's a lot of really great staff in that agency uh, that work towards our goals and our missions and our values. So thank you for, for noticing that and giving, giving a shout-out for that. And kind of want to circle back, because we're talking about all this cool stuff. You can come to the Community Awareness Workshop. You can come to the Clothes Closet. You can come to support groups. Right. But do you even know where we're at? Yeah. So LEAFOR is, uh, if you're going to do any of those things, that's at our administrative building and shelter location at 325 South Spruce Street. And you just come on in. It is a buzzer system. It is a secured building. So you just come on up and hit the buzzer, and they'll let you right in. And again, we want to let people know this is a very welcoming and warm environment for our community members. Uh, We're there for you, and we want you to know that.
3: Thank you, and it is, uh, I think, really important to ch- try and really know where you can go, you know, for all these for all these services, and that is in Kenai, right?
1: Yes, sir. Beach okay. Access Road. Most people know which road yeah. that's on. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe Renee, you are heading up uh, the newest endeavor, which is a prevention coalition, right?
1: Yeah, Kenai uh, Peninsula points on prevention, it's called POP. And it really started, the inception of that was uh, the Shore Center wanted to design a location on our website where individuals could go and learn about prevention efforts in our community and, and understanding that we all intersect with each other. And so Ashley uh, and I uh, developed a POP in and see what you can do to uh, create a safer community in November of last year we started forming a primary prevention coalition and as part of that you know you you do your missions and you you do your vision and the more Ashley and I thought about it as the coalition is building and we are all of these things are coming online it really should be a standalone uh, website and that's PeninsulaPrevention.org and so It's a coalition of community members, our resource agencies, law enforcement, business owners. This is a coalition that is open to this community. It should be owned by this community so that we can all come together and start building that capacity to address many of the challenging issues that we have uh, going on in our community today. And you know, figuring out a way how we can interlock all of these things and intersect them, because we know they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we start working on these things together as groups, we can see that reduction in power-based violence, right? And we can see the reduction in substance misuse, and we can see the, re- or at least you know more help for mental health. Uh, and then the overriding goal would be that it's going to reduce that impact on our criminal justice system. I mean, that should be the... overriding. And so we meet uh, monthly, uh, and we do this the second Monday of every month from uh, 1 to 2 p.m., and we do them at various locations um, around the community because we want our partners in this coalition, we want all of us to be able to go to those locations and learn about what they're doing and and, and feel all inclusive. So yeah, uh, it's been a really it's needed you know we've asked for years for prevention money intervention has been in place in this community for over 40 years and we will never get rid of intervention you know i'd love to sit here today and tell you that i'm gonna put that shelter out of business it's not going to happen but can we reduce the load on our advocates and the need for larger and larger shelters so that would be the the overriding goal for this coalition and And we're just working uh, really hard to uh, develop a community plan. We did a community readiness assessment that we talked about a little bit earlier. And then we also did a needs and resource assessment for this community, really gauged around um, what are risk and protective factors. What's the prevalence? I mean, that's the first thing we need to look at. What are some of the risk and and protective factors in our communities uh, for that? And then what can we start doing? Uh, as a collective group. So, yeah, we're uh, not even a year old yet, but uh, lots of work going on. We're in our first big event in the community, and that's the um, Point of Dispensing Narcan event that's coming up on October 20th, which uh, hopefully you'll hear a podcast on that.
3: (laughs) Hint, hint. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and that is, I believe... That's going to be at the sports center? Is that right? Correct. Okay. Um, I have a flyer for it around here, but maybe you know. Do you know what time that is at? Ten to two. Ten to two. All right. Um, Drive through. You don't even
1: have to get out of your car. Just pull on in there and we'll pull you through and you'll get your education. They'll dispense the Narcan and... and, um, Nice little goodie bag to leave with, with some first aid kits, flashlights. we you know, really around, gauge around that uh, emergency preparedness mm-hmm. model. This is an opportunity for our community to practice mm-hmm. in the event uh, we need to use this mm-hmm. model. So, yeah, it's exciting.
3: And I think what's really exciting about that is just like how one of the assessments that you guys did said, what, 52% of women on the peninsula had experienced, uh, was it violence or sexual violence? Both. Vi- okay. Both, okay. in their okay. lifetime. Wow. Yeah, in their wow. lifetime. I I won't try and quote this, like, say the stats specifically because I don't remember it 100%, but I think in a lot of states now, like, opioid overdose is, like, or drug overdose is the leading cause of accidental death. Like, it passed car it's accidents, an epidemic. even. What I really, kind of a tangent, but what I, what I really like about this is, like, the coalition's at first they seem like, well, what exactly is a coalition doing? And I think part of it is, like, really bringing a community together in a unique way to address the unique problems of the community. So, like, although this is a prevention coalition, is also working with, you know, Change for the Kenai, which is looking to address, like, drug abuse and consequences. And everybody's, as you had said... And re-entry we're coalitions gonna, right, at the Right, the re-entry yeah. and... As you had said, you know we start to see a drop in this, and we see a drop in this, and then we oversee an overall drop in this. It's interesting because as you want to see a drop in all of these things, you've also kind of said, at least by your actions, like if we want to see all these things drop, maybe we need to bring all these players to the table, mm-hmm. and that seems like really what you're bringing on October 20th. Is like exactly. this coalition's coming, this coalition's coming. We're all working together, and we're overlapping to create this unique solution to these, you know, very Kenai Peninsula problems.
1: And it is, and and people need to know that, that even if we're not directly impacted by the opioid epidemic that's occurring, we can happenstance mm-hmm. into it. Uh, you know, an example is right now, it's at such a high level that we could walk into a public restroom and mm-hmm. find an individual who's ODing. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier about... Even on our playgrounds, uh, needles are left behind. And if one of our children were to stumble across that, that we would have that Narcan, that life-saving Narcan kit. Uh, So, you know, helping the community understand and the stigmas around that, that it's not just specific to um, individuals who are in substance misuse.
2: In fact, I encourage anyone who has opioids in their home to have a Narcan kit. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's grandma who forgot she already took her medication and takes it twice, mm. or if it's kids playing around, not realizing what they're playing with and not understanding it's not candy. If yep. you have opioids in your home, there isn't any reason not to have this this tool at your disposal as part of your first aid plan.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have, we have a podcast on uh, naloxone specifically, and part of it is, you know, this is I forget exactly, but I mean, it's a hundred or two hundred dollar product. And really, when when we're saying, hey, you know, when hardworking community members and hardworking organizations are saying, look, we've set it up to where you can show on up to the sports center, October twentieth, ten o'clock, drive through for free. You know, I mean, we have really like taken. I mean, I think as a community, there are a lot of people who are taking steps like yourself that are just stripping down barriers to, you know, making this a more healthy community. I just really, I really thank you guys so much for, you know, all that hard work. And it's really cool to talk about all that Lee Shore has done. I really look forward to, you know, really digging into some of the more specific aspects of this. Um, As we've kind of seen in this podcast today, there's a lot going on, but you know, there's also a lot of aspects to kind of what, you know, Lee Shore's attempting to address, I think. Um, And I think that all works together to, you know, work toward the mission of Lee Shore.
1: So it's uh, to promote the healthy families and violent free community while providing that safe haven and uh, for women and children who are victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Lee Shore Center makes every effort to be a valuable instrument of change. On the Kenai Peninsula and to create that nonviolent community where all individuals are treated with respect and basic human dignity.
3: And I think Lee Shore has really been an instrument for that change. It sounds like, you know, over for now over 40 years has they've taken on projects in ways that have produced change. You know, some of these that we've just talked about today include the awareness workshop on domestic violence and sexual assault, support groups for individuals and families who may need that support, education through community presentations and school presentations, intervention and prevention efforts, you know, including the batter's intervention program, you know, opportunities to volunteer as well as, you know, a prevention coalition that's in its early stages but is already taking on some of those very unique uh, problems and, you know, partnering with agencies in the community to really form, to be that instrument for change. And I think one of the things we just talked about was kind of this, this tension between, like, individualistic, you know, on my land, you know, very much... Uh, I guess, individualistic Alaskan culture that can be very much, you know, the rights of the individual. However, I was just thinking when you said, when when we were talking about that, is like, even though Alaska may embrace like an individualistic idea, they don't sacrifice their individualism. I mean, they don't sacrifice their family for individualism. And it seems when we start to look at our community members, somewhat as family or as being more than just another person that's when i think we can start to blend you know some of those individual rights as well as being there for our neighbors you know i think you know i grew up i've lived in alaska for now about five years and i grew up in montana and montana is very much individualistic like alaska i mean we you know very much like work hard and you know you do your thing and i'm going to do mine and if it doesn't if what i'm doing doesn't hurt you then by golly, we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing, you know? However, like, we were always there for our family members, and we were always there for our neighbors. And it's when we started looking at people as other, as not being our neighbors, that's when it was like, well, you know, they just need to, they better just figure that out, you know? And I think, as you said, you have grandkids in this community, and that's where it starts to become, okay, like, these are my people. these, This is my community.
1: And this is the community in which they're going to live in, the community oh, yeah. in which they're going to interact mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. other individuals. And yes, and I think you bring a really good point up that, yeah, we might be, me, I, this is our, but our family members grow up. Our, mm-hmm. our daughters, our sons, they grow up, they go into public school. They need skills. They need to learn. And our communities to support a nonviolent way of Mm -hmm. handling things Mm -hmm. and uh, society has really made that shift of just turn the other eye not my problem not my business and you know i always like to say right after i say something like that that our batters in our community count on that Mm -hmm. that you're going to say it's not your problem and it's not something that you should care about and, and it truly is. Uh, a lot of times, it, victims need to know that their community supports them. And mm-hmm. it takes all of us giving that message out there.
3: Yeah, that, you know, we, we really want our freedom and we want our liberties. However, we need to, I think, take, we need to step outside of our own, especially our own perspective. And look at that these people who are suffering this assault, who are victims of this violence, their freedom is stripped, you know? Like, I can still have my freedom and still have my liberties while being there for my neighbors at the same time. And I think sometimes that we present these ideas of, oh, I better not get involved, that's their business. However, like, I need to find a way, you know, we need to find a way to still, you know, have our have our freedom and have our ability to really you know, kind of live our lives, not super hindered, while still, you know, being there for well, our community, knowing that
1: our fellow community members are care safe. About mm-hmm. us. Yeah.
0: And they yeah. care about us. Yeah. That's one of my favorite. One of my favorite mottos is like, yes, you have freedom. But with freedom comes the freedom to care about other people's freedoms. Thank you. Mm. you Thank know? you. And so with that freedom, you have a choice. And yeah, I can mind my own business and simply just hold on so tight to my own individual freedom. But at the same time, like you're kind of, it's kind of counterintuitive to the fact that like, man, I have this feeling that I enjoy so much and I power so much. Like if I really believed it, I probably want other people to have it too. And you can use that for positivity, you know, or you could use it for negativity and you have that choice. That's where your freedom lies is in the choice to be a positive influence or to be a negative influence.
3: Are you going to be a negative influence in here? No, no, no. Absolutely You're gonna have, not. No. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, Absolutely. You're going to have to move on down the road. Yeah. <laughs> and the Alaskans are not negative
1: influences. No, and, you know, we need to always keep yeah. in mind that uh, there is a lot of stigma around this particular Absolutely. topic. And. Uh, people don't know what to do. Maybe yeah. they want to do something, and mm. they're not really sure what they can do. And and that's, you know, the next piece to Leashore. Another piece we're putting out there is uh, providing Green Dot, which is a bystander, uh, you know, intervention kind of strategy in our community and that really is to provide them with tools and skills of different things that they can do while keeping themselves safe because we don't you mm-hmm. know we don't want anybody out there getting hurt because of this because we know it can be dangerous and that's part of our barrier you know it's part of what's going to keep us but we have options right we can always call the police mm-hmm. or if we're in a bar and we see something we can talk to the bartender or the back so sometimes it's more that i don't know what to do yeah. And so now we want to get out there in the community and, and help them, even with their particular barriers, figure out what it is that they can do to be that contributing factor to a safer community.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and community connectedness is very important. There's a lot of research indicating that communities that work together and feel connected have lower rates of violence and substance misuse. And uh Depression and suicide attempts and elder abuse. It is all connected together. So being good neighbors again. And my husband has grown up here since he was like four. And he will tell stories about working with the neighbors. Because they homesteaded in Nikiski. I mean, you're the end of nowhere um, (laughs) in the 1980s. It's it's a long drive. You're going to see more moose than you are cars at that point. And realistically, it was very... Look out for each other. Take care of each other. Because mm-hmm. that was just that's how you survived and, and thrived. And realistically, we're just trying to get back to that point where it is our neighbors, it is our community, and we are together. Mm-hmm. And that will enable us to be and we the care safest. About each other. And we care and yeah. be the safest, yeah. most effective. Um, community the best community that we can possibly be
1: mm-hmm.
4: well and if you think this doesn't affect you as an individual or your world it really does it really does I mean, because if at that point when it's like fifty two percent out of a hundred it's everywhere mm-hmm. and if you think that it doesn't affect your world it's because no probably no one's telling you I mean who's gonna talk to someone who says oh well that doesn't matter it's not happening to me it's like well better not share you know the things that I'm struggling with with them because uh, they're they're just not gonna understand. So, you know, it's kinda like the cycle feeds into itself. It's yeah, like, that's not cyclical. a part of my world, I'm not gonna look out for it, and then people are gonna try to give me information. It's like, well, that's not, but it, it does. It's everywhere, and you just can't forget that.
3: I think you're very spot on there and that it just, it's permeating everywhere, and that if you're not, if you think you're, it doesn't affect your world, you're either not informed You know, or you're in, as you know, early stages, some of the research showed, right, that we may be in resistance slash denial. Um, So just to wrap things up here, guys, we're going to have several more podcasts to really look at some of the resources or programs that Leashore offers and kind of break those down in some more details. We know we've covered a lot today. Um, but be looking for the more for more that are really going to come out and tell more about the resources that how you can access those specifically and you know just all those different opportunities that are there for you in the community and there for uh, your neighbors. So before we, what Renee, if you can tell me again, tell the listeners again what what is the address for Lee Shore?
1: Lee Shore Center is located at 325 South Spruce Street, Kenai, Alaska. And that's the uh, Beach Access Road.
3: And the phone number is to, to call?
2: 283-9479. Or the 24-hour no, crisis, crisis line, which is 283-7257. Okay.
3: okay, thank you. And the website is?
2: LeashoreAK.org.
3: Okay, thank you so much, guys, for listening, and definitely looking forward to talking more. I think we really can be there for our community members, you know, being there for our neighbors, so thank you so much.
1: Thank you.